Good morning. It's January 10th. The clouds are clearing out over New York City and the wind is rising. The cat is skittering loudly around the background. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. On the front of this morning's New York Times, Donald Trump has pushed Gaza out of the two lead news slots. As the rightmost story is, immunity claimed by Trump meets doubts in court. And next to that is Trump's plight puts stand-ins in the spotlight. The former story describes the appeals panel that heard Trump's immunity claims yesterday as having expressed deep skepticism and having seemed incredulous. At hearing the former president's lawyers, as we discussed in yesterday's newsletter, stake out a maximalist position on presidential power, under which literally murdering a rival could not be subject to criminal prosecution unless the president were impeached and convicted before prosecutors moved in. The Times also writes, Judge Karen L. Henderson, the panel's sole Republican appointee, seemed to reject a central part of Mr. Trump's argument, that his efforts to overturn his loss to Joseph R. Biden Jr. cannot be subject to prosecution because presidents have a constitutional duty to ensure that election laws are upheld. I think it's paradoxical to say that his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed allows him to violate the criminal law, Judge Henderson said. The adjacent story is about how with Trump tied up in legal cases... The job of campaigning for him at the front end of primary and caucus season has fallen to an all-star cast of what the Times describes as a web of high-profile conservative allies and Republican luminaries. Getting into the specifics, we get Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Eric Trump, Ben Carson, Mr. Trump's former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and before snowstorms got in the way, planned appearances in Iowa by Roseanne Barr, former Nepo baby White House press secretary turned Arkansas governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her dad, Mike Huckabee, who may be riding reverse nepotism at this point, but who the Times reminds us, and I had definitely forgotten, won the Iowa caucuses in 2008. Now there's a lost moment in time. Gaza is still represented at the top of the page by a four-column photo of daylight in the outside landscape showing through the shattered wall of a home. The caption says a lot, especially toward the end. The ruins of a Palestinian family's home in the central Gaza Strip, photographed during a media tour of the area led by Israeli forces. The lead of the story describes a seized Palestinian home, still with the trappings of everyday life, now vandalized with Israeli graffiti and used as a barracks by Israeli forces. Again, this is what the IDF was showing off on a sanctioned tour with embedded reporters. The Israelis were showcasing the unlimited devastation they've inflicted on civilian areas. To argue, the Times reports, that the damage had predominantly been the fault of Hamas, both because the October 7th raid forced Israel's hand and because the group's fighters had embedded in residential areas, using civilians as human shields. Not totally sure how long you can complain about the other side using people as human shields if your entire military campaign has no compunction about blowing up those civilians. Nevertheless, that's the argument. The Times notes, To accompany the soldiers, Times journalists agreed not to photograph a digital map within the Israeli military vehicle or the faces of some special forces fighters. The Times did not allow the Israeli military to screen its coverage before publication. The Times accepted those conditions to secure rare access to wartime Gaza, which has been off-limits to foreign journalists except when embedded with the Israeli military or, in one case, an Emirati aid group. The story does add, in an excessively passive construction, that another reason reporting in Gaza has been profoundly challenging is that scores of Palestinian journalists have been killed by Israeli strikes, which is to say Israel has been systematically killing the non-embedded journalists who are trying to cover the war. Inside the paper in the international section, on page A9, five pages after the news that France has a young gay prime minister now, 
There's a report about Ecuador, filed from Colombia. Armed gunmen wearing masks stormed a television station in Ecuador's largest city on Tuesday, taking anchors and staff hostage and exchanging gunfire with the police as cameras rolled before the intruders were subdued and arrested. The televised violence, captured live, erupted as the South American country has descended into chaos this week, with a powerful gang leader disappearing from prison, uprisings breaking out in several prisons, and inmates kidnapping and threatening guards. Seems like big news. On page A21, we learn that the minor elective medical procedure, complications of which caused the Biden administration to lose track of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin for several days last week, was in fact a prostatectomy to treat cancer that was discovered in December. One of the three bylines in the story is legendarily unreliable medical reporter Gina Colada, so there's a solid chance it'll turn out that he was actually getting a Brazilian butt lift, but that's the state of the story for now. A front-page feature story describes how Austin, Texas, or the outskirts of Austin, Texas, where residents have less power to block developments they don't like, has addressed the problem of homelessness by building an ever-expanding village of tiny houses, which is a sort of twee design-forward way to describe what's essentially a very large spread out single-room occupancy flophouse complex, where instead of having a shared hallway bathroom, you have to walk around outside to get to a toilet. Still, for people who can comply with the rules and make the subsidized rent, it seems better than a tent. And at the bottom of page A10, in a touching gesture of faith in the power of the written word, the Times presents 18 cute little paragraphs about a cute little mouse that got caught on camera tidying up odds and ends on the workbench of a 75-year-old Welsh retiree. It works okay in the paper, but maybe next time they should try making a flip book across the bottom of the whole section. That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again tomorrow.